Hello and welcome to Diving Into Diabetes, the podcast where we explore the latest advances and best practices on individualized diabetes care. I'm your host, Dr. Ron Goldenberg, and with me on the program today is Dr. Alice Cheng. And welcome, Alice, and uh, thanks for joining us. Today's topic in our Diving Into Diabetes podcast relates to the second-generation basal insulins and comparing them to first-generation basals and even uh, biosimilar basal insulins. So let's uh, launch into the topic of the day. And there's been a lot of buzz lately about second-generation basal insulins. And i just like to start off by asking Dr. Cheng, uh, what are these second-generation basal insulins, and do they truly have advantages over the first-generation basal option? So the second-generation basal insulin analogs are insulin glargine U300, as well as insulin Degladec. And both of these insulins were designed purposefully to be better than the previous generation. And how do you become a better basal insulin? Well, you do that by altering the time action profile so that it is flatter and longer, and therefore more basally, if you will. But what that means and what that translates into clinically is less hypoglycemia for the person who is using it. And the head-to-head clinical trials that have been conducted have in fact confirmed that. So in the case of Glargine 300, those would be the addition studies. And in the case of insulin Degladec, they would be the begin studies. And they've all well-designed phase three clinical trials that have demonstrated benefits for the patient in terms of less hypoglycemia. Now, the efficacy was similar when compared to first generation, but that's because it's a treat-to-target study. So you would expect them to achieve the same A1C, but where the difference was was less hypoglycemia for the patient. So that is the advantage of the second generation basal analogs. Right, and hypoglycemia is the biggest barrier for managing insulin-treated patients, and our patients are afraid of hypoglycemia, and it often limits titration. So I guess having an insulin that causes less hypoglycemia is a win-win. A lot of us over the years have been used to dosing basal insulins at bedtime. And we certainly uh, did that with NPH. And even in the first generations, the majority of people were taking it at bedtime. So with these new second generation insulins that obviously have a much uh, longer uh, time profile, does it make a difference whether you take them at bedtime or in the morning? And what do you do in your practice? This is one of my favorite things I got to say about the second generation basal analogs is that we can move away from the bedtime administration. You can give it at bedtime, but if you think about what we're asking of our patients, we're asking them to self-titrate. We're asking them to self-titrate based on their fasting glucose. So it actually makes a lot more logistic sense to have it given in the morning because from a patient perspective, they wake up, they poke their finger or they scan, they look at their blood sugar that morning and they make a decision at that moment and then dose the insulin at that time. Much simpler than what we used to ask people to do, which is wake up, check your sugar, and then 14 to 16 hours later, when you finally go to bed, you're supposed to remember what that number was and then titrate accordingly. So I actually find that morning dosing is a better in terms of encouraging titration, may fit into one's schedule better, and frankly, a little less scary for the person who's just starting because they're going to eat during the day, so they're a little less fearful of the hypoglycemia risk. So I tend to now favor morning dosing 
for my second generation basal insulin analogs, and then for the first generations or earlier, uh, still bedtime dosing. Great tip of the day. Take your second generation basils before breakfast. It drives me personally quite crazy when patients who've been on bedtime basil, they adjust the dose on their own without any input from the healthcare provider based on their bedtime glucose. So they see the sugar's higher, they take more, and they or see it's low, and they're either afraid to take the dose or they back off uh, where they're supposed to be, like you said, adjusting it based on their morning glucose. So checking your sugar first thing in the morning and then taking the shot makes perfect sense to us and hopefully uh, our listeners and our patients. Uh, so great advantages, obviously, for the second generations. Uh, so you've decided to start a new patient with type 2 diabetes on a basal insulin. Who gets the second generation? Is there any role for NPH or the first generations or should all new starts get a second generation basal? Obviously, access rules, shall I say, uh, dictate a lot of decisions, right? And in the absence of that, I personally, every new start, I just reach for a second generation. And my rationale is, is why wouldn't I, right? Why not give the patient the, the insulin with the least likelihood that they'll experience hypoglycemia? Because that's not a fun thing to experience while still giving them the control that's needed and truly once daily dosing. So I reach for second generation for every new initiation. For someone currently on a first generation experiencing hypoglycemia, then a switch to me makes a lot of sense. For someone currently on twice daily basal insulin, for whatever reason, switching to a next generation makes sense to be able to truly give them once daily dosing. And then finally, the, the second generations do come in different concentrations, which means smaller volumes of liquid. So if I have a patient who is on a larger dose and therefore larger volume, I may offer them a second generation in order to provide greater comfort. It doesn't change the efficacy, but but greater comfort. So those those are kind of the populations that I would preferentially choose a, a second generation basal analog. Okay, so you're choosing a second generation. You have the choice now between Degladec or Glargin U300. You were uh, an author on the Bright study, uh, which is a head-to-head -head comparison of the two in insulin naive type 2, and there's another study called Conclude. Can you just summarize very briefly, are there any really clinically relevant differences between these two second-generation basal insulins in type 2 diabetes? So I think that the title of Bright uh, says it all, uh, which I actually think summarizes both studies, which is more similarities than differences between these second generation basal analogs. Efficacy, both excellent work as long as you give enough of it. Uh, overall, hypoglycemia seems to be similar between the two insulins. Uh, where there was a difference demonstrated was in bright for the insulin naive population, showing less anytime hypoglycemia with glargine 300 compared to Dagladec but only during the titration phase, the first 12 weeks when the doses were being ramped up quickly. The patient is being served well by going with a second-generation basal insulin more so than if they were placed on a first-generation basal insulin. Top-line summary then, second-generations over first-generation for most people, especially if access is not an issue. Uh, maybe you'll have more success without hypoglycemia. Titrating uh, Glargine U300 for those first number of weeks, but 
both options in the second generation space are, are good for our patients. So we're going to finish up and touch on biosimilars because there is a biosimilar basal insulin uh, based on Glargine U100. Um, so maybe explain to our listeners, what is a biosimilar insulin? Is it a generic insulin? Is it just a copy of the uh, brand name insulin? What can you say to our listeners on that? So usually the term generic tends to be used for smaller molecules, like the pills that, that we're used to. When it comes to more complex molecules like biologics, and actually insulin is a biologic, then the uh, subsequent entry biologics, as they were called in Canada, are, are known as biosimilars. So they are, I guess copy is probably a reasonable word of, of the reference. Uh, what, what's good though about biosimilar insulins, especially in Canada, is there is a requirement for there to be proper prospective randomized control trials that are conducted to ensure efficacy and safety of the biosimilar insulin. So we do have basal biosimilar insulins here in Canada, and they have been studied and shown to be effective. I, I would note, though, that it is only of the first generation basal insulin, so Glargine U100, whereas the second generation basal insulins do not have a biosimilar. And would the biosimilar Glargine U100 be interchangeable with the name brand Glargine U100. Does biosimilar mean that if you switch from the name brand to the biosimilar, you're going to get the exact same efficacy and safety? Well, the, the studies have been done to show care, I should say, and, and non-inferiority has in fact been demonstrated. I, I think from a patient perspective, though, it, it would be very disconcerting to go to the pharmacy, have been going there for years, have used to getting a gray pen, and then suddenly they come back one day and instead of being the, given the gray pen, they've been given a blue pen. And, and it looks different, feels different because it's a different device. And, and I think that can be very disconcerting for something as, as personal and important as insulin. So I, I personally am not a fan of just interchanging at the pharmacy level without a good discussion with the patient. So I think the, the practitioner, the prescriber and the patient need to have that conversation about if a change is to happen. And usually a change is to happen because of cost, which is the main reason why a change would happen. There needs to be a proper discussion about that. It's usually a dose for dose switch to begin with. And then of course, titration, because you never know how that person will respond. But I would do not want to see is a surprise. And for the patient to go home, open up their bag and see a, a different box, I, I think that can be very disconcerting. Yeah, I agree with you. Our, our patients kind of... Um fall in love with their device that they're used to and uh, are often not too happy if they are changed without them uh, having uh, input. And uh, as a clinician, to call something interchangeable, I would like to see a switch study where people are treated with the one type and then switch to the biosimilar and then maybe even cross over. And those studies have been done with some of the uh, newer biosimilars, uh, but uh, often have not been done. And I know in Canada, at least uh, right now, they don't consider the biosimilars interchangeable, but it's up to the individual provincial bodies to make that decision. So uh, I guess if you have a new start and you're starting a first generation, would it make sense if cost is a concern, just go ahead with the biosimilar because the patient hasn't been exposed to any insulin. If you've made that decision to go to a 
first generation. Does that make sense? Yes, I, I think it does make sense because there, there is a cost advantage. But I guess at the same time, if access is not an issue, there's still that advantage that we discussed with the second generations for the new, uh, the new start. So I guess our key learnings for today's podcast are there are advantages of the second generation basal influenza over the first generation with hypoglycemia reduction and also the ease of dosing in the morning rather than at bedtime. We also uh, discussed the biosimilar uh, space and the issues involved there. And any last minute key pearls, Dr. Chang, that you would like to give to our listeners on this topic? I think you've summarized it beautifully, Dr. Goldenberg. I don't think I have anything uh, anything else to, to add other than just to be aware of the different things that are now out there. Uh, and and actually, one thing I do want to add, I, I apologize, is that Zybees Canada has updated their insulin prescription tool uh, in order to include the biosimilars. So for those of you who do use the Zybees Canada insulin prescription tool, please uh, download the updated version uh, from the website. Okay, great. And on behalf of all our listeners, I'd like to thank you for all of your contributions to Diabetes Canada over uh, recent years. It's much appreciated by all the healthcare providers that manage diabetes patients, uh, not just in Canada, but uh, internationally as well. So we come to the end of this uh, session of our podcast. Thanks for listening uh, to the Diving into Diabetes podcast series. We hope you enjoyed our deep dive into the topic of second generation basal insulins versus first generation or biosimilars, but please don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Podcasts, and stay tuned for new releases.